Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? It's an interesting day, Lance. There's a lot going on in Steeler Nation. The biggest of that being this is a a two, (laughs) I can't even say it right, a four and two team that plays like a one and five team for three quarters of the game, but you get them close enough to the end. They somehow find a way to pull it all out. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know if we're still trying to make sense of it. To some degree, it's natural to do that, but by and large, it's a team that defies expectations, and they have perhaps their most intriguing challenge coming this weekend, and I'm excited for it. Uh, Two fun teams to watch in a lot of ways, uh, and two teams that are kind of miserable to watch in, in a lot of ways. Uh, two teams that really are, I think, are on equal footing in a lot of ways. Um, but the, the Jaguars are, in my estimation, anyway, having watched them the last couple of days, probably better than the Steelers are uh, to this point in the season. Not a talent thing. We're talking execution, which leads us to the famous quote of the show, right? They cut their eyelids off, and that's a good quality, and we're going to discuss that and jump into that, pick up the Ollie Howard Species. I want to jump into Ollie Howard Species' comment. That's going to be part of the opening monologue. You are what your record says you are, and I want to take a, a little look into that, but before that, as always, if you want to participate in the program, go to YouTube and catch us live by doing a search for the new standard and Neil Kulong and or Lance Williams. And if you get a podcast, catch us via podcast, you can do the same by doing the same type of search in whatever way you get your podcast. We're available on all platforms. Make us part of your Steeler experience. Our shows are up every Wednesday and every Sunday. Wednesday's the pregame. Sunday is the postgame. We keep it very simple. But I want to go jump to the quote or the title of the show. And this is from Mike Tomlin's press conference. And he led with this when he was being asked about the team. And he was talking about uh, their appreciative, how appreciative he was, firstly, of Steeler veterans coming out to the game like Troy, James Ferrier, um, Joe Hayden and the like. And then he segued that into saying uh, that this group, they cut their eyelids off. In Tomlinese, let me explain that. That means they don't blink. And when you look at this team, and I want to get your thoughts on the team as well, Neil, going into this Jags game as well. But I want to lead with when he says they cut their eyelids off, they don't blink. I think when I look at this team, I think their best quality, like he often says, is they're a professional outfit. When the Steelers play, you're going to get an honest effort. Uh, You're going to get them trying to win the game for four quarters. I mean, they're doing their best. They're trying to win. And they don't fold in the fat-ass moments, i.e. the weighty moments and the weighty downs. They're a professional unit. I think that's the most positive thing that you can say about them when I'm searching for positives. Um, on the flip side, to uh, Ollie Howard Species' comment, you are what your record says you are. 
a division leader, albeit flawed. That's what they are at this point. They're four and two. Uh, they're not five and two. The Ravens are five or two played the extra game, but they beat the Ravens and the Browns. But they are a flawed team, albeit a division winner. Now, when I look at this team, I don't know if you agree with me or not, Neil. I think they can lose. And notice I said lose first or beat almost anyone except for the Niners, Eagles, and the Chiefs. And the reason I say that is when I watch this team where I'm troubled, and I saw some articles on this. I think uh, Ron Cook might have wrote something on this. Uh, The Steelers, in my opinion, do not have a sustainable path to winning consistently. When you watch the Steelers, you often they often have to get a special teams play of some sort and a defensive splash play of some sort to win games and to compete effectively in games. Now, is that sustainable? I don't think so. Are they four and two leading the vision? Are they what their record says they are? Yes. And they're also what their points for and points against says they are. A very fortunate team to be four and two at this moment because they're playing with very to little margin for error. What's your thought on this team uh, going into this Jacksonville game? And any thoughts on anything that I said? Because it truly is always sunny in Philadelphia, but not necessarily in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it, it's this isn't a team right now that you can bet on week to week. Um, I understand that they're foreign to, I also think that regression to the mean is something that happens in football. When you exceed expectations for a certain amount of time, but you don't feel the expectations should be raised. You're going to drop back to kind of where you should be. They play like a 500 uh, football team. So that said, if you're four and two, it's kind of hard to think that in your next three games, you're going to win two or three. That's just my opinion. I'm not betting on it. But when you watch them in total, they're wasting a lot of downs. They have a lot of bad defensive drives. There are a lot of of mental mistakes, uh, particularly on offense. The fact that they put it together and are able to play good football on both sides of the ball, and oftentimes on special teams as well, is another factor that we're not considering here. It, it's it's not that we don't say that they're you know that they're not a four and two team. They are a four and two team. Are they going to be a, an eight and four team? That's more of of what I'm asking. I couldn't bet on that. Um, it, it's they're they're two and a half point home underdogs. I don't think they've been favored at home yet, have they? That's that's no. not a they don't have the confidence of the watching public and that's not everything, but it is enough to say, what are they doing that people uh, aren't getting behind and watching them play it, it. They're not consistent. They don't play well uh, week to week, quarter to quarter, drive to drive. They're not playing well. Um, we did see a lot of positive things over the last couple drives. Um, the fourth quarter, probably the best football they've played all year. I don't know if that says a lot, but it, it was certainly good enough to come from behind, take the lead, and then hold on to it. I called out in my own stupid way on, on social media before that final drive, 
this is now on the offensive line. The offensive line has gotten over kind of a little bit of a rocky start, but performed pretty well throughout the course of the game. Right now, though, they need to dominate. This cannot be let's punt and let the defense win the game for us. They have to suck the air out of the ball. They have to take control of the line of scrimmage, get positive gains, move the chains, and continue to work. Um, that kind of worked. I don't <laughs> I don't know if Kenny Pickett got that extra yard. Uh, my vantage point, I didn't think that he did. Um, they, you know, they gave it to him. They couldn't review it. Great, you know, fine, we'll take it. Either way, it's not as if the Rams getting the ball automatically means they're they're going to win the game. They're down seven at that point anyway, and Steelers' defense had lit them up pretty good throughout that quarter. So it, it, it's fairly arbitrary, but I will concede it was a bad call. Either way, they more or less did that job. They got that work done. That's a very positive thing. I think if, if their offensive line can play with the, the sense of continuity that they had, the, the uniformity along the line, as in they're all doing stuff that looks like that's what they're supposed to be doing. That's not That hasn't been the case for them the entire year. So you put all that together, you've got the potential of a team that can win the weighty downs, the badonkadonk downs, uh, those quarters, <laughs> those series. They have the ability to be able to do that. I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago. So they showed me something last week. Uh, Jacksonville is a better team than the Rams are. They're playing at home. It's not a, a, a real big advantage for the Steelers anymore. Um, and they lay eggs. It's not like they stack wins or anything. You know, I think this is a team that still has a three, maybe four game losing streak in it. Um, but this is the kind of game they really have to seal up uh, if, if they want to be serious contenders. I think they're capable of doing it. I think this is going to be a rock fight, as Mike Tomlin would say. But I, I'm not 100% convinced they have the, the mental fortitude to put everything together the way that they did at the end of the Rams game. I would expect, once again, they're going to start off with four or five offensive drives being three and outs. They might get a field goal here and there. Uh, they're going to need the defense to make plays on the ball in order to set their offense up. Those are, are traits of winning teams, yes, but not when it's one side is so deficient, the other one needs to bail them out. I don't have enough faith in the continuity of the offense week to week right now, but they're in a great position to prove me wrong. Before we jump into uh, the next point in the program, I want to give a uh, uh, prayers up to Mel, big up to Mel. Uh, I want to send my prayers out to Mel and Mel's family. Um, prayers out to you, Mel. Hopefully everything works itself out. Uh, but there's an interesting stat, and there was an interesting uh, person that, you talked about and or a unit that you talked about in the offensive line before we transition to the Jags game. We often kill this guy, but I do want to give some props to uh, Dan Moore Jr. Uh, according to PFF, had a grade of 77.5, which is green. Overall, run blocking 75, pass blocking 76, uh, gave up a hit and a pressure in the game. I thought Dan Moore acquitted himself pretty well. And maybe if you can get consistent play out of Dan Moore at that tackle position, maybe that's essentially what you need in him and Mason Cole playing better. And I think as a unit overall, this was probably their best game. Hopefully well, how about this, this Lance? The, yeah. the, fact that, the fact that Pittsburgh Steelers got two 
above board performances from their left tackle in consecutive games. When is the last time we said that? Yeah. I, I don't give a rat's ass if it's Dan Moore, Broderick Jones, Marvell Smith, Jonathan Ogden. We have not seen that in Pittsburgh for a long time. Two consecutive games in which their left tackle was a plus. And good on Dan Moore for that. What, it, when was the last time in Pittsburgh we saw so much animosity over one guy starting? We, the, the, the fan base went absolutely ballistic over the fact that Jones was not going to start uh, it, it, against the Rams. For Dan Moore, under that pressure, under that scrutiny to answer the bell, good on him. We, and we have savaged Dan Moore for two and a half years on this show. Good on him. He stepped up and, and he assumed his position and he made something of it that nobody expected him to do. You have, you have to take your hat off to, to a guy that can perform like that. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm fine with him now after that start for, frankly, the same reason I probably would have started Broderick Jones last week because he availed himself well the previous week and the position was still open, in my opinion. Um, I think Moore earned the right to, to continue doing what he's doing. And I, I don't think I ever would have said that at any point in, in the tenure of his career. I feel like he legitimately should be the team's left tackle going into this week. Now let's see what happens. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I, I think Jones getting some experience is definitely a good thing. If anything, we, we can make the argument that Dan Moore now can audition to be the team's right tackle next year. And that's a good thing. That makes them better as, as a unit as well. So it, 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 an excellent job by Moore. I just wanted to point that out just because of how much we have ripped him in, in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we want to be fair on this program with our, with our coverage and how we discussed the team. And you're right. We've absolutely ripped him. I mean, we gave him the nickname Dan Less, <laughs> you know, Dan Less Jr. And so kudos to him. And, and that goes to the title of the program. They cut their eyelids off. Very professional unit. Uh, they don't blink. Um, th they give you an honest professional effort. And that's what you can say about Tomlin teams. The other thing before we transition to the Jaguars game is the other thing you can say about Tomlin teams is they're treading teams as well. They, they kind of just, they look like this. They look like nine and eight, 10 and seven. They look like average teams where uh, the relationship between the fan base and the team is not bad. And, 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 and the fans and the coaching where it's not bad enough for <laughs> ownership to make a move because I mean, there's good days, i.e. they're four and two and they somehow figure out how to make a souffle with one egg, bad flour, and and no chocolate. But before that, uh, before we transition, let me look, Neil. Uh, before we transition to the Jaguars and, and your breakdown of uh, the Steelers' offense going up against the Jaguars' defense, what's the mash unit like this week? Um, I think we we got much of the same. It, it's it not a good situation to not have Pat Fryermuth. I think we saw that. Uh, to a good degree this past week. I think that the Steelers need to get a lot more out of their tight ends and they are uh, to, to whatever end um, aware of that. That said, they're, they're still without uh, Cam Hayward, of course. I'm not sure um, if we know a whole lot more than that. It, leading into today, we will know a lot more at the end of practice. 
Uh, we're recording this Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Practice report's not going to come out till this afternoon. We'll see where everybody is. Um, I, 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 unless I'm missing something, I don't anticipate there being any uh, major injuries uh, that we are not aware of at this point. So um, hopefully it looks a little bit better. But right when they get Johnson back, Farmworth goes down, and Farmworth's been hurt pretty much all year anyway. I think that's a big part of why uh, their tight ends have not been effective, uh, the pass or the run game to this point this season and they're they're going to need uh they're going to need Darnell Washington to get over a lot faster and they're going to need to get more out of uh, Connor Hayward. Um they have to get something from these guys. I know that they signed another practice squad tight end and they cut Bison legend Noah Gindorf yesterday. Sad to say that he only lasted a week here. <laughs> he's a good player. I honestly I I think he's got the profile of a high-end blocking tight end in the NFL. I'm surprised he can't really uh he can't really keep himself in work. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just laughing at that. You know, almost every Bison player in the National Football League. I'm impressed. Well, aren't very many of them. You know, keep that in <laughs> mind. It's a big deal coming from where we're coming from. But for for an FCS school to have had as many NFL players as they have, um, pretty impressive. And, and Gindorf, legitimately, um, he's bigger than uh, Zach Gentry. You mean probably Gandalf. not the athlete. You mean Gandalf the White? Who, <laughs> we call no. him Gandalf. <laughs> That's my <laughs> reference to L O T R. Gandalf sounds oh, like yeah. Gandalf yeah, the White Gandalf. to me. <laughs> Gindorf. Yes, it, it, it's very Slavic, Norwegian, or whatever he is. Uh, uh, Iron Range kid. He's from way northern Minnesota. Um, he, he has a good profile as a blocking tight end in the league. He wasn't drafted, but he signed right away with Seattle. I think he got hurt in camp and he was out. The Steelers just brought him in. Um, probably just, you know, emergency situation only with Farmworth being out, but looks like they went with somebody else. Um, I forget looking to see who it was. Anybody knows who the Steelers signed their practice squad and cutting Gindorf yesterday, pop it into the chat. But, um, yeah, from an injury perspective, they're going to be down here still for a little bit. Um, Johnson's still coming back. Uh, you know, hamstrings are not injuries that you come back 100% from. Um, you need a lot of rest to, to really keep those healthy, and they're kind of a threat to snap at any time, which is what happened to, to Frymouth. So uh, you hope Johnson can, can continue to stay healthy. Uh, they can get perhaps a little bit better, more disciplined play along with the playmaking that we saw last week from uh, George Pickens. And with that, you could have the semblance of an offense here coming back together. To your point about the tight ends, and I guess we're considering uh, Connor Hayward a tight end. He got targeted three times, had two catches for 23 yards. But yes, like you said, kudos to Pickens and Johnson in the game. They were targeted 14 times, had 10 receptions for about 200 yards, of course. Deontay Johnson had the big 39-yard play. Let me ask you this as we look at this Jaguars game. Do you think – how do you think the Steelers stack up against the Jags? Can they take away, in your opinion, some of this positive uh, – this Mui – take some Mui suerte into the game against the Jags? How do they match up? What's your thoughts? Uh, I, I don't like their matchup against this team. They, they, they are capable of running the ball – multiple backs, multiple uh, uh, schemes. They're a well-coached offensive team that isn't getting superstar play out of their quarterback, but he is a quarterback that can play like a superstar. We've, we've seen it. Um, he is capable of that. Might be one of the most 
arm talented passers in the league. Um, there are things they're not quite getting in rhythm with either, which I don't quite understand by this point uh, in Trevor Lawrence's career. Year two with Doug Peterson is one of the best offensive coaches in the game. I feel like they should be better than they are. And maybe there is, um, yes, thank you, Scotty Washington. That's who it was. I thought that was funny because I first saw it. And it was like Scotty Montgomery. <clears throat> Obviously not the same guy. Um, Doug Peterson is a, a high-end coach, um, a quarterback whisperer type of guy. They've added talent on that team, offensive line, skill positions. There's a lot of things that they should be able to do. They're, they should be deep. They should be versatile. I think they're still kind of trying to figure themselves out. But keep in mind, they've won four straight. You know, this this isn't a junk team. Uh, they're leading the AFC South, maybe not the strongest division uh, uh, in the league. But uh, you win five games in the NFL, you, you know, out of seven, you're winning five games in the NFL out of seven. You, you can't uh, downplay a team's ability um, simply based on who they played because odds are good. You're, you're playing somebody that's, you know, NFL caliber. <laughs> you usually do that week in and week out. Um like I said, they're, they're two-point favorites, and I think they're two-point favorites for a reason. Um, offensively, they, they can uh, do a lot of different things. Um, it, it's a tough unit to match up with week in and week out. They don't quite execute as crisply as you kind of think that they would, but uh, they're, they're fairly efficient. They score um, reasonably enough for, for the amount of, of times they run the ball. Um, they've, they've become kind of a dominant running team. You know, Travis, uh, ETN is, is, uh, he's already over 500 yards in the season, seven touchdowns. Um, Christian Kirk is probably their, their primary receiver. He's got 39 catches, 474 yards. Compare that to George Pickens, 27 catches, 500 yards. I didn't realize Pickens had that much already. Holy cow. Um, I, I think they are more balanced overall in offense. I think they have better protection. Uh, and, and with that, it, it should be a great matchup um, for them versus a, a good Steelers defense, but one that uh, it is struggling against the run. Uh, we, we have not seen them play uh, uh, consistently great throughout the entire course of a game uh, against teams that can run the ball well, and that's that's Jacksonville. Yeah, that, that, that's been pretty interesting. I You know, I have to take a look at it again. You know, my my first blush, I want to blame that on them being in subs, but you got to play subs. You got to play run defense and subs now. I mean, that, yep. that that's the requirement to, to to being a very good defense. And to dig furthermore on that side of the ball, uh, you, you're talking about a Steeler defense overall that's eighth in DVOA versus Jags offense that's 13th. Uh, and DVOA, when you look at the matchup, it's going to be a nice matchup, I think, between the Steelers, Batman, and Robin. That's T.J. Watt and Highsmith uh, going up against Robinson and Harrison. In Batman and Robin, you have guys that have a PFF grade and T.J. Watt of 91.5 and Highsmith of 87.3. And Highsmith uh, has played very well this year, made a lot of big splash plays. And, of course, T.J., his name should be T.J. Splash, not T.J. Watt. It should be Splash Watt. He just makes plays somehow in some way every single is, game. T.J. Watt is at a, a high-end Hall of Fame pace over the last three seasons. It, it's just unbelievable what he does game in and game out. More than anything, though, and I don't, I don't want a fanboy. I hate that. You know, it, it, I'm not here to discuss the comparison between him and Miles Garrett, both of whom, by the way, are first ballot Hall of Fame players. I, I'm sorry, Miles Garrett like did. That. He did jump over a center. <laughs> Miles Miles Garrett had a phenomenal game. I don't know if you watched any of that, but good lord, um, 
he's a beast. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't care if you like the guy or not speaking to him as a football player. I know what team he plays for. I know what happened. Miles Garrett is a phenomenal football player. TJ Watt though is coming up with massive plays after massive plays in each game that he plays. In all honesty, my thought was when it looked like Pickett got stopped short against the Rams. First thing I said was, all right, TJ, let's go. Almost like he's a quarterback. He can come out and affect the impact of a game. What defensive player is able to do that? There might be five of them in the league. And Watt has been like that each of the last four seasons now. It, it's it's a blast to watch him play. Uh, Matthew Stafford has forgotten more about football than anybody, including especially Lance and myself, that's listening to this. Stafford had absolutely no idea T.J. Watt was going to shade down <laughs> to take the slot the way that he did. That's the only reason he threw the ball. And you watched yep. Stafford throw it. He was 1,000% confident in the completion of that pass. He had absolutely no doubt in his mind that's where he needed to go. That is, it, 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 to, to put it into context, you're asking a player to do something that is completely out of his job description, and he did it better than the guys that start for the Steelers at those positions. He, uh, yeah. he sold it. <laughs> he broke on it. He was in the exact right spot. He knew what was going to happen before the ball was even thrown. And to have that kind of instinct and to, to affect the game on multiple levels the way that he does, it's unbelievable how – we are very lucky to get to watch T.J. Watt play for the team that we cheer for. Let's just put it that way. That's a great comment from Mark Sloss. T.J. Watt. 39.6 passer rating against. No completions allowed. I don't see Patrick Peterson doing that, okay? But speaking of the corners, and you mentioned Kirk – uh, who has 39 receptions for 474 yards. Is JPJ going to start in this game? Is I, JP, it, it, well, I know starting, I mean, I, starting, I know starting well. doesn't matter, but I, I think it matters a little bit in terms of just how it sounds. Is it's, he it's a going to get, it's a matchup yes. is all. I think you yes. could, you know, we've, we've talked about this a bunch. You have 12, if not 13 starters on defense. He is a starter in the sense that, if a team has a prevalence to do these kinds of things early, um, it, does that change the Steelers' philosophy? Do they want to man up right away? If that's what they want to do, he's going to start. If they have the matchup advantage, if they play man and let Porter eat the way that he does. But here's the thing. They really don't seem to want to put him in a position to have to make tackles. And that's usually what you're saying um, when you're in zone. You want to be more balanced um, against a front that could go either way. The Jags tend to lean a little bit more toward the run uh, by by design. It looks like that's the way they want to play. We've, we've seen it often enough now. Uh, they run more than a lot of teams do. So with that, I, I don't know if this, from what we have seen to this point, if it's a game that we're going to see more than average snaps from Porter. But at the same time, at some point, you got to throw the guy in the fire, okay? Get in his face. Get him to tackle better if you don't yeah, think he I mean, tackles that, well that, enough. That, yeah, that, you need him out there yeah. because he's far better. Look what happened. He locked down everybody he took care of last week. He's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. But it's the one thing that he does do. However, what happens on the other side? Hey, Wallace got destroyed last week. I mean, that was it, it was yes. awful. Watch. It, it, we talked about this after the game. I'm, I'm in shock at how bad he looked. Teams are just going to throw I'm, at I'm him not. all game. I'm no longer shocked anymore. I, I, he, 
he's proven to be what he is. It's, Wranglers. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> he's it, it, he's Jabos. He's you know, Wranglers. Props to, to Patrick Peterson as well. I'll give him this. I was really worried about him playing in the slot. I thought he did a great job um, for what they asked him to do. Uh, he, he went about his business pretty well. I'm not saying it was perfect. He did a pretty good job. But Wallace is a black hole on the other side, and teams are just going to keep gunning at him all game. So to be honest, I don't think it really matters if Porter's in the game or not. You know, whatever combination they go with, if it's Wallace on the outside, that's probably the tendency that an offense is going to look to, to exploit because they're going to have the advantage. It doesn't matter who the receiver is anymore. They're going to have the advantage. Interestingly enough, in terms of DVOA, the Steelers rank pretty well in the passing game overall as a unit. And that just because they get run on all game. Yeah. (laughs) He's throwing on them. Yeah. There's an interesting balance there. Also, from a pass rushing perspective, it's going to be important how the Steelers rush uh, Trevor Lawrence because for a big guy, he's incredibly mobile. Uh, he, he can make second reaction plays and late in the down plays and extend plays with his legs, which also uh, makes the coverage component a little more difficult because you may have to cover longer in some moments. Ingram's also a threat, and they're pretty explosive with ATN as well. Heavy outside zone running team, but they do a little bit of everything. Uh, this is going to be a game I think the Steelers going to have to really tackle well on the edges. Now, you might notice that we're, we're focusing a lot on uh, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and big up to a, a new listener, Jennifer, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce your last name, Jennifer, if you want to type it phonetically in the chat so we get it right. Uh, he said, She said that uh, JPJ needs to channel his inner daddy. Senior has to be upset with juniors tackling they just uh, they just don't teach corners to tackle you know you, you can see it fundamentally it's not there but it, at the same time should they i mean there, there's a lot more that they have to do in coverage nowadays um you, you got to get it, tackling is is a want to art in a lot of ways there's definitely technique to it there are definitely some who are a lot better at it but porter is a get the guy on the ground kind of tackler he's just sort of failed at that to this point um, I, I would agree. I think you, you need to get in his ear. Um, and that's going to have to be a, 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 a game to game thing, a week to week thing. They're going to need to stress the importance of, um, tackling, especially after the catch. Let's keep in mind, Porter played a bunch last week. So did a great job on Nakua. He was the only guy that could cover Nakua. Yeah. And Kua's a beast, you know, that he's big, he's quick off the line. He made plays everywhere. It wasn't, you know, I had three targets against him. It's good that he won that, but it, it, it doesn't tell the, the story of the entire game. Playing what, about 80% of the snaps I saw uh, is a good thing, but that's a pass-heavy team, and it they still gave up a bunch on the ground. This is a team – Jacksonville's a team that runs the ball a lot. Are you going to have Porter out on the edge as a liability? I don't know. I think, if anything, this is a game he's probably going to see a, a, a few less snaps than what he did before um but i I don't if it's that big of a difference you're still not finding a solution at the cornerback position you know know, this can't continue here's the funny thing we're we're focusing totally on the defense side of football and uh and that's because we have no idea 
or actually we do have an idea of what this offense is going to look like against the Jags. It's going to be inconsistent. You said it earlier. They're going to not score in the first couple of drives. They're going to punt a bunch. They're going to need their defense to keep them in the game, hopefully where they can scratch out a play or two and maybe sniff three touchdowns if possible. I mean, that's that's it's going to look disjointed. Um, the, the Jags defensive line is deep, pretty good. Uh, they're going to get after the Steelers. We know that. That That's why we're not spending a ton of time looking at the offensive side of football. We've seen this week in and week out. It's going to be an offensive slog. And that's a great point by Mark Sloss. Peterson and Wallace can't tackle either. So why doesn't <laughs> kind of where start? I was going? It's like, <laughs> yeah, how I mean, bad is he really? It's yeah. not like they're going to. Plus, they're defensive backs. They're not even, they're, they're corners. You know, they, they don't teach corners to be primary dominant tacklers. Frankly, if they are and they can't cover, they're going to be safeties anyway. If they can do all of those things, they're going to be top end first round draft picks. Porter wasn't that. So, it, you know, they're, they're not all going to be Jalen Ramsey, a guy that does everything at a very high level. It, 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 at this point, like, you better know, damn well know how to tackle. You need to get him out there because even the Jaguars are, are going to be at most 50-50. They're going to throw the ball a lot. The combination of a great tight end like Evan Ingram along with a, a, a big playmaking kind of guy like Christian Kirk, that's, that's tough. You need your coverage out there. Yeah, and, and great point by Mark Sloss. Their main job is to cover. It's not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, yeah, get the guy out there. I mean, I, I mean, that's what I think. Before we get into predictions, um, any comment? Any real quick? Any thoughts on the Eagles trading Edmonds uh, to the Titans and Byer? I think Byer's a no, solid player. Not really, Byer? Yeah, Byer's Byer's Byer, a good veteran player. Yeah, uh, it's a move that makes a lot of sense for Philadelphia. They've built themselves to have um, it, it, it's it's Roseman's philosophy. If he sees a deal, he's going to go get it. It's going to improve the team. They're not afraid of the money that they'll have to pay him. And it, this is kind of similar to what the Rams did when they built, you know, the the, the strong team that they had. Uh, they're still winning a little bit, even though they're kind of beaten down. Um, they they're not afraid to go get high end high price veterans on short contracts because that's how they add draft picks. They're going to give up, you know, a lot to get like a Jalen Ramsey, like they did, but they can recoup uh, lower round picks with the veterans that they let walk in free agency. And the market shows the level of pick that you're going to get. You get buyered for this season. You got to rent the player for the rest of the year, a high end safety that can improve your team. And you're going to get, a fifth round pick for him when he signs somewhere else for $6 million next year, something yeah, to, to yeah. that effect. Edmonds, honestly, I think Edmonds is a part of the deal just to help deflay the salary a little bit. The Eagles don't want to cut him per se. They can send him to, to Tennessee, not have to pay his salary for the rest of the year. And they're, they're obviously spending it on a, a better safety. who's going to contribute a little bit more. Um, I don't think Edmonds is junk. I think that Edmonds, though, is kind of your run-of-the-mill veteran safety. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not going to be out of the league, but he's not going to make a ton next year either. I don't know if he's going to be in Tennessee. Well, he had a two-year deal with Philadelphia, or was it just one? It might have been just one. Yeah, so maybe one. Yeah. You, you get an asset. This is what Philadelphia does. He, he's an asset that they can move during the season to help better their team elsewhere, or they can let walk in free agency and add to their comp formula, hoping to to land – you know, a, a, a net of two, maybe three picks 
each season. That's how yeah, you kind of help pay for all of it. Yeah, they're win- they're they're in win now. I mean, clearly. But hey, let's flip to predictions. Uh, what's your predictions for this game, Big Neil? You know, I, I Jacksonville versus Pittsburgh. These games are always weirder than you think they're going to be. The Steelers do not score against Jacksonville. It doesn't matter who's there. Um, unless they're down 42 to six in the second half of a playoff game, they don't tend to score, which is great because the Steelers don't score against anybody. So this is a really comfortable game for them. Uh, they're, they're usually very physical. I think both teams have very aggressive upfield defenses. Um, I, I can feel this being pretty tight, pretty competitive. Um, God, I don't want to bet against Pittsburgh. I, I really don't, but I'm not going to. Pittsburgh 20, Jacksonville 19. I'm going with that. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm going to pick against them because, of course, the fan base feels like if I pick the Steelers, they'll lose. So I'm going to continue to pick against them. I still don't think this is a team, uh, particularly against a very a pretty good defensive front, uh, that can score three touchdowns. Until I see them score three offensive touchdowns without assistance from special teams and or defense i know that counts that that's part of the game it's part of three phases i pick it a 28 17 jacks yeah, yeah. I, i'm picking i don't I'm blame picking, you noah k he's got the steelers 23 20 uh i'm, I'm picking the jacks 28 17 uh i i think the jacks there's a reason why uh and, and mark sloss is picking the jacks as well 28 17 there, there, there's a reason why you're two to two and a half point dogs at home again to your inconsistent yep. football team. But with that, we are going to conclude the program. I want to thank everybody who chimed in again. Please like and subscribe. Big up to Jennifer Cruiser. Uh, thank you for chiming in. Hopefully, give me the thumbs up if I pronounced your last name correctly. Thank you, Jennifer. Please like and subscribe to the program. Please bring more people to the program. Big up to Noah K, Ali, Robert. Mark, big up to everybody who participated in the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.